0: today's title, Are You Free? Are You Free? And so uh, I know Independence Day, it's to celebrate our freedom. And as a believer, we have even more to celebrate and uh, being thankful for what we have. uh, We focus on the negative sometimes instead of of the positive things that we're free from. And uh, when you know what you're free from, it gives you the strength it actually gives you strength to resist the thing that will try to attack, attach itself to you if you know you're free from it. Does that make sense? To two of you, that's not bad. First service, not even two. So, free, I, and uh, I was going to just, my sermon today, I thought about, well, you know, I was just going to preach about what we're free from. We're free from the curse free from the devil, free from sickness and poverty and lack, just to remind everybody. And um, I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, I'm going to preach about the biggest thing that you need to realize that you're free from. Because you see, the devil's already defeated. Amen. How about this? I said the devil's already defeated. Yes. So we don't have to defeat him. And uh, But there is one thing that I believe is The biggest thing that you need to know what you're free from. Are you ready for this? You need to know that you're free from yourself. Everybody should have amen that. So we'll do this. Move back the time clock. Everybody should know that they're free from their self. There's a funny story and a true story. Uh, I got this story from joe mcgee he 's a minister, but um, uh, he used this as a different illustration than what i 'm going to use i 'm going to fit it into what i 'm preaching on today but uh, if you 're familiar with college football, Lou Holtz is a famous college uh, coach uh, he was i think he coached for three different teams, maybe four and uh he was real famous for Notre Dame, but when he was not so famous, and he was a coach for Arkansas in the late 70s, Arkansas did not have much of a program, and, but he was going to put them on the map, but when he moved to uh, Arkansas, nobody wanted to go to Arkansas, so he was going to recruit. He sent his assistant coach to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to get this number one running back to join his uh, organization. So he sent his, uh, this is the late 70s, before cell phones and everything. I know you young people don't understand that, but there was a time (laughs) when there was no cell phones. And uh, so he sent his assistant coach there, and man, it was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Fayetteville, and uh, anybody from Arkansas? One? Okay. Okay. Two, don't get offended. <laughs> but I mean, it's right up there with Kentucky being Hickville, USA. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, so he was driving down this dirt road. The assistant coach looking for this uh, number one running back that they wanted to come on his organization. For two miles, he didn't even see a house, and he was just looking, looking. It was a hot summer day, and you know, dust was flying and everything, and and uh, all. On a dirt road, and all of a sudden, he, he, he was looking off, and his car went into the ditch. And he thought, Oh my goodness, out in the middle of nowhere, he hadn't passed the house for I don't know how long. So he got out of his vehicle and started wa- walking towards uh, in front of him, hoping to, to find somebody. And sure enough, Fayetteville, you got to remember now, you may not know this statistic, but back then they had once a year Mule Day. <laughs> Mule, you know. <laughs> that kind of mule. And once a year they did it because back in that day they used to have guys with overalls and, and plowed their field with a mule. So sure enough, he was walking down the road and there is a guy plowing the field with his mule. So he yelled out to the guy, he goes, Hey, you got a phone? My car's in the ditch and I need to call a wrecker. He said, What? My car's in the ditch and I need to call a wrecker. You got a phone? He goes, No, but I got a mule, I'll pull you out with my mule. He goes, No, I need I need a phone, I need a record, I gotta have a truck to pull out. He goes, No, I pull it out with my mule. So he said, Okay. So he goes back to his car and a guy follows him and he guy hooks up his mule, gets a tow bar and puts a chain on it, and that guy, the assistant coach goes, that mule, I'm gonna kill that mule. That mule's gonna die. I pull him out. I'm gonna have to pay for that mule, and then I'm still gonna be stuck here in the middle of nowhere. So, anyway, the guy, the farmer, you know, he sits up here and he gets up on the side of the bank and uh, he gets ready. He says, Put the car in neutral and he gets ready to get the, the mule to pull him out. gets the slack pulled out of the chain. He says, All right, you ready? All right. He says, He slapped the back of that rump on that mule. He says, Come on, Frank. Slapped it in. Come on, Bob. Slapped it again, come on, Jim! That mule never moved. But then he slapped it and said, come on, Dusty! Boy, that mule, and he pulled that car right out of the ditch. That guy said, that's amazing! I never knew mules could do that. He says, I I didn't think he could do it. That's amazing. I never did. He He tried to pay him. The guy said, no, 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 no. That's all right. No, he says, that's fine. I'm glad we could help or whatever. And he got his mule and started walking back down the road. And the guy got in his car and he pulled up beside him. And he said, hey, I'm just curious. why, Why was you calling that mule all those names? He said, Dusty is blind. And if he thought he was pulling all by himself, he wouldn't try at all. Oh, so I thought that's, that's like you and me. That's like you and me. If we think we're doing life all by ourselves, if we think that we are having to be the one to come up with the faith, if we have to come up with the strength, if we have to come up with the wisdom, if we have to come up with the righteousness to become holy and righteous, if we have to do that all by ourselves, we're going to be just like blind, dusty, and think, I can't do this, so I ain't going to try. But the thing is, like Dusty, not knowing, we're not doing this all by ourselves. Matter of fact, it is being done inside of us already. So to pull yourself out of a ditch, you need to be as smart as Dusty and realize this ain't just me. I said, this ain't just me. I got the Holy Ghost. I got God the Father. I got Jesus inside of me. And so we're not having to come up with the wisdom. We're not having to come up with the strength and the faith. Or you just fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Well, I started thinking about this, being free from ourselves, Because all of us, as we're growing up, we're molded and shaped and in influenced by either parents or people or ministers that um, try to say, this is the way you should be. And there's some good things on that, so don't get in a ditch on me, speaking of ditches, and think, oh, so we don't have to live honest lives or integrity. No, I'm not talking about that. But there are some things that people that we were raised up with, whether it's in church or whether it's, if you weren't raised in church, whether it's certain uh, cultures and you think that this is the way, if I'm going to fit in, I have to be like this, and, and we lose our identity a lot because we're trying to please other people. And so today, there's somebody either watching or listening. Hopefully, you're listening as you're watching. (laughs) That you need to be set free from yourself. All of us, to a degree, need that. I said all of us, to a degree, need that because we try to please people. We try to make sure that... Because we don't want anybody, you know, not liking us because we are not like them. But having said that, we live in a society where if you think differently from somebody else, then you're messed up or you're wrong. And church people are some of the worst. I'm going to say it again. Church people are some of the worst. If, if you don't believe exactly like me, if you don't believe in the rapture, well, bless God, you won't even go to heaven. That's someplace in the Bible, you know. Jesus plus the rapture equals heaven. It does. That's sarcasm. Some of you are going, no, it's not in there. It's not in the Bible. It's not Jesus plus anything. I said, it's not Jesus plus anything. I said, it's not Jesus plus anything. It's him alone. He paid the price for everything. But then, you know, you, you, we get taught that we, we have to conform and everything. I remember as a young teenager that uh, in our culture, this is in the 70s now, guys had long hair but not me zzz, zzz, I mean just short and everything and and it wasn't because I didn't like long hair I wanted long hair but my mom and my family you know they just said no <laughs> it's ungodly for a man to have long hair and I thought I didn't say anything, but I just thought, what about that whole Nazarite Jesus thing? I mean, every movie I've seen, Jesus has long hair. And nah, and, and so I just thought, you know, to be pleasing and, and to, to fit in with my family, I had to have my hair cut short. Of course, when I went to school, all of my friends made fun of me because I had a buzz, and they had hair over the collar and the ears and everything, you know, but not me. And so they made fun of me. And if you're watching, if you're one of them, I've forgiven you. But anyway, um, so but guess what happened when I got to be in my later teens? I had long hair. I found my thrill. Okay, I won't sing at all. But anyway, I had long hair because I, I resented the fact that they wouldn't allow me to, you know, to be what I wanted to be. And then the, as I grow, and the older you get, oh, the more free I have been. Oh, my goodness. You know, that you know. <laughs> you older people, not old people, but older people, you just say, I've been on this planet long enough. I'm going to do what I want. I'm accepting that as the years go by, you know, because it's easy to slide in to be a people pleaser. This is a problem with that. God wants you to enjoy your life as you. Parents, I'm going to say something. If your teenagers are with you, you may want to cover up their ears. But you can push yourself onto your child to make them think that if you don't think like me, then something's wrong with you. And I, and, and I don't even know if, you're, if they're going to believe that you're accepted. Whether it's long hair, whether it's earrings, whether it's tattoos... I'm just seeing if anybody's mouth's going to fall out and your false teeth have to be picked up. See, so you can push what you want to upon your children to make them think that this is the way life should be. I'm just saying that if we're going to raise up the next generation that's going to be free in every category and understand and know God as Father then you're going to have to change your belief system and rethink God yourself on even how you treat people. I do know this. The more that I think that I have to fit in that mold of a certain standard, I have come to this conclusion, that's how we treat other people as well. And let me tell you, when you push that onto somebody else, most people aren't going to just accept that. You know what will happen? Friendships are breaking up, marriages is breaking up, or, or people who are friends are not so close because, you know, I mean, we ought to, I've got friends who are nothing like me. It's not the time to say, yeah, that's like everybody. But anyway, my point is this, you know, I, I, I love sports, I love cars, there's certain things that I like, and I've got friends that, that don't like any of that i got friends, you, people would think, you're, you're good friends with him? He's nothing like you. Yeah. Why do we have to have people? Listen, and it comes like that even to, to religion. If you don't believe exactly like me, let me just say this. That means you better just be a, a hermit and give, get in a cave somewhere. Because nobody on the planet's going to believe exactly like you, accept everything you accept, You know, if you think, I love this church, I love everything about this church, I love everything about that pastor, I believe exactly like he does, just hang around. Because I get to a point where I disagree with some of the things I preach. I'm going to leave this church. You can't leave this church, you're the pastor. Yeah, but there's some things I disagree with. We need to be free of ourselves, of our own mentality and making ourselves lived up to a certain standard. I love, listen to me. I started thinking about this because, you know, people talk about heaven. And what do people talk about heaven? Some of the big things are a mansion. Everybody's going to live in a mansion. A mansion. Oh, I can't wait to live in a mansion. It's great. Streets of gold. Awesome. No sickness, no poverty there. Just, I just love that. But let me bur- burst your bubble. Burst your bubble? Burst? Is that how you say Let me break your bubble. <laughs> heaven is not heaven because of the mansion, because of the gold streets, because there's no sickness there. Heaven is heaven because of Jesus. <laughs> you know, people say, I need to work hard so I can make sure I get my rewards. I want to get rewards in heaven. I want to make sure I get a nice mansion. I want to make sure all of this, and let me just tell you something. There's no greater reward than Jesus. So all that other stuff, the mansion, the streets of gold, any reward, all that stuff, it's going to not even remotely compare to Jesus. And your point is, my point is, we already have him now. Oh, So what I'm trying to say is, honey, enjoy the journey now because God came so that you may have life John 10:10 10, 10, and enjoy the journey now. And if you're trying to fit into some mold and trying to be somebody who you're not, you will not enjoy your journey and you'll make sure to take everybody else not to enjoy the journey as well. I just feel like somebody are going to be set free today because you've not enjoyed your journey. You've always tried to be a people pleaser. you tried to please this and that. And then you get to, and you bring that over to your relationship with God. Because you think God thinks like you do. And that's why, maybe we should say, not only rethink God, rethink yourself. Don't be so stupid. (laughs) I'm not allowed to say that around my grandkids. The littlest one, Emmett. I was in the front seat of the car. Danielle was taking me someplace, and she was driving, and, and I was on the phone with, with one of my friends, and I just said, oh, that is so stupid. And so little Emmett goes, yeah, it's stupid. But he doesn't say stupid. He says, stupid. <laughs> Don't stupid." Do it. He doesn't say it. that said, Danielle looked at me and said, Dad, oh, sorry. So I kept talking a few minutes later, and so I whispered, yeah, that's just, that's just really stupid. And little Emmett in the back seat, he whispered. Stupid. <laughs> I got in trouble for that as well, but anyway. So how, on the practical side, I thought, I want, Lord, I want a, a way to help us all to be ourselves in Christ. And I think this is one of the major uh, foundations I'm going to talk to you today about. And that is sanctification and holiness which I believe the church has really missed it, including myself. Sanctified, being holified, and all of that. It's not a word, but anyway. Sanctification is the state of proper functioning. The proper functioning. To sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for the use intended by its designer. Intended by its designer. So in other words, like a pen is sanctified when you when it's used to write. Eyeglasses are sanctified when used to improve sight. And so in a theological sense, things are sanctified when they are used for the purpose God intends. So what was God's purpose for you? What was his intent for you? Was it just to take... Let me stop there. Is it just to take you to heaven? A lot of religious people think that was. Then why why didn't he just skip earth altogether? A human... Is sanctified, therefore, when he or she lives as a child of God, looking to him as father and living in victory. In other words, it's just being who God intended you to be in Christ. Not based on performance, not based upon what you do or do not do. You see, the more I understand this, the more I want to do the works of God. The more I want to, you know, I mean, we have a lot of areas in our church that we need help in, but I'm not going to do any arm twisting, and I refuse to do that. First of all, because I know I've seen pastors, and I may have slipped into that in the past where you think, you know, bless God, we need help in here, and we we, we need help. And then people do it out of guilt or or whatever, and, and miserable. Then you make me miserable. I'm telling you, And I know this rubs people the wrong way. God wants you to enjoy life. And the way to enjoy life is to find out who you are and be who you are. Enjoy life to the full. And so when it comes to being sanctified and being holy, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 says, Then he said, Behold, I have come to you to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified. Have been. What does that mean? That you are, you're going to be, or it already has happened? Have been. It's not a trick question. It means it's done. You have been sanctified. How? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How have you been sanctified? By the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, offering his body, his offering, what he has done, that's how how you become sanctified. It has nothing to do with what you and I do or how we live. I feel safe sometimes behind this. (laughs) The Passion Translation says this. Then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. This is Jesus so by being the sacrifice that removes sin, he abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with a new covenant. The entire system has been replaced with a new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified and made holy once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus the Messiah. We've been sanctified once and for all because of what he has done, not by what you are doing or can do or will do, will not make you any more sanctified. I think that's got to be a foundation to become the real you. Are you hearing me? This will empower you. People say, yeah, it empowers people to sin. That empowers people. People are empowered to sin before they heard this. You're just being stupid if you think that. <laughs> I'm going to say that a lot. But anyway. <laughs> sin, let me just say this sin in reality is its own judgment and consequence. If you sin, there's going to be consequences to that. Do I really need to teach that? Because people in the world know that. You rob a bank, you're going to go to jail. You get caught cheating on your taxes or whatever, you're going to get in trouble. You drive 120 in a 55-mile speed zone, you're going to get busted. You don't really need to be taught, you know, like, you know, if you do this. But yet we come to the church and we think, like, you need to educate people. Really? How stupid are people who come to church? Oh, it's funny when I make my own self laugh. Genesis chapter (laughs) 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says this. This is the creation. God's created everything. So the creation of heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Everything was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. Verse 3, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Let me ask you this question. Why was the seventh day holy and not the other six? Every day that he created something, he looked at it and he said, it was good, but he did not say it was holy. Second day, it was good did not say it was holy. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. Said it was all good, very good, but he never said any of the first six days were holy. But now we come to the seventh day and he rested and he said it was holy. Why? Why the seventh day and not the first six days? Well, if it was a godly day, what made the first six days less godly? Ah. Maybe, holy, maybe our whole idea of holiness, which this is the typical definition, definitions, not all of them, some of the main ones. Holiness means to avoid sin. Holiness means to avoid sin. If that is true, the first six, six days of creation... Must have been disqualified by sin. You think that? Well, of course not. But that's what people think. Holiness is to avoid sin. Holiness means moral perfection. Well, there is no moral imperfection the first six days. Would you agree? Holiness means to be set apart to God. Well, if that's the case where the first six days of when God was creating, none of that was set apart for God, Holiness is godliness. So are you saying the first six days weren't, wasn't really a, a godly thing? Nobody would say that. But yet we interpret and give def- the definition of holiness to these things. Have you heard those definitions? Most Christians have embraced that. It's just sometimes good to read the Bible and, and interpret it without filters. Religious filters. Religious filters are the worst. My point is maybe we've came up with the wrong definition of holiness. Possibility. Maybe we've come from a human standpoint instead of God's standpoint of holiness. Holiness is a God thing. He is holy and he makes other things holy like people and creation days. He makes them holy. He makes them holy. It has nothing to do with you or me making them holy or trying to become holy. You can't. You can't live good enough or right enough or perfect enough to say God says, now you've attained holiness. But yet the church pushes that. And yet all of us, including myself, fall far short of that. So what is the deal? So what is holiness? Why on the seventh day did he say it was holy? The Hebrew word there means wholeness, complete, nothing lacking. So what God was saying is that all of my creation now, I'm resting because it is complete. It is holy, whole. It is whole, therefore it is holy because it's complete. As believers, you and I are complete and there is nothing lacking, nothing missing because you are whole and you are complete. And because you are whole and you're complete, God, your Father, is saying to you and me today, holy, holy, holy are you. Some of you have a hard time swallowing. Just keep chewing. Sanctification has little to do with rule keeping or what you avoid. We are complete in Him. Complete. Complete to do the works of God. And I know somebody's going to say, well, there's a scripture in 1 Peter that says, God said, you be holy. You be holy. So it's amazing, we can hear all kinds of things and we get one thing and we pull it out and say, well, see there it says to be holy, so I have to be holy. He is saying, because you are holy, therefore be holy. There's a difference of making it come out to be, it's a command for you and me to do something. No, he is making a declaration Because you are holy, you be holy. You see the difference of that? But if you are trying to get the cart before the horse and saying, Oh, God wants me to be holy, so I got to be holy. I need to make myself holy. He goes, No, you cannot make yourself holy. You need to get it back in order and say, I'm holy. Therefore, my life is nothing but holiness. And I can live holy because that's who I am. That's what I am. Because God, my Father, made me that way. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to take notice it says from glory to glory. Your starting point is not from garbage to glory. Glory. But most believers think that we, our starting point is in the sewer or our starting point is in the garbage. Our starting point is at the lowest possible point. But what your father is saying is this. He says, that's not your starting point. Your starting point is glory. And I'm going to take you from that glory to another glory to another glory to another glory because my image is going to be unveiled in you little by little by little so you can understand that you can not understand everything but your starting point is glorious it's not from the garbage pit never has been never will be that's your starting point so get your mind out of the gutter because that's not what you are the passion translation says we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces if with no veil, we, are become, we all become like mirrors who reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into His very image. As we move from one brighter level of glory to another, And the glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord. It comes from who? The Lord. Not by you, what you can or cannot do. It comes from Him who is the Spirit. So my point in all of this is be like Dusty the Mule. And realize it's not just you by yourself. Be free from yourself, actually. This message should set you free from yourself and you'd be like Dusty the Mule and just, I'm getting out of this ditch. I'm getting out of this ditch because it's not me. It's the Christ who's in me. I'm not doing this by myself. It's not my faith. It's not my right living. It's not my righteousness, my holiness, my faith, my wisdom. That has nothing to do with me. It's all about Him. And because it's all about Him, I can get out of any ditch because of Him. Amen. I can get out of any situation because of him. But listen, if you're like a lot of religious people who are are not blind and realize, man, it's just me. It's just me. And you just look to yourself. You're going to come to a point where you're not going to have enough strength. You're not going to have enough faith. You're not going to have enough wisdom. You're not going to be right enough. You're not going to have holiness enough. And it's going to be whatever fill in the blank. And then you'll quit. You'll quit God. Or you won't think he's faithful. Or you'll blame people. You'll blame people around you. You'll blame this. You'll blame that. Or it's God's fault. Or this is just. No. But if you understand. If you understand it's not anything to do with you. It's who's in you. You'll get yourself out of any predicament and out of any situation. Another thing. ah, I'm running out of time. Let me real quickly say. In Hebrews it says to enter into his rest. What I just preached to you today, you go all the way back to Genesis. That God rested from his work. He rested from his work. Why? Because he said it was holy. And the reason he said it was holy, because everything was complete, everything was finished. It was a complete deal. The Bible says you are complete in Christ, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right now, today, you are complete. I've got two big. Uh, Russian olive trees on my property I love trees so I dug up this little baby one it was in the well you know they they grow like weeds but anyway I I keep them but this is a baby Russian olive but this baby Russian olive is 100% Russian olive you go duh do you realize it's not any more Russian olive than my 20 foot or 30 foot Russian olive tree it's not any less Russian olive than that tree. Does that make sense? My point is this. People say, oh, you're a baby Christian, or you just, you don't know anything, or you're just beginning or whatever. You are 100% in Christ. Complete Most people are trying to attain completeness. Most people are trying to attain holiness. But what I'm telling you, what the Lord, your Father, God wants to say to you today is you're 100% complete today. I'm not trying to make you complete. I'm not trying to get you to attain something. What I'm telling you today is you have arrived, as far as God is concerned, as being complete and holy in Christ. You're not trying to get to a destination. You have arrived to your destination because of Him. Because of Him. And when you realize that and see that, you will just live a more victorious life accidentally than you've been trying. i got to work. i got to do this. i got to do this. You just haven't seen who you are lately. You don't think you're complete you don't think you're complete. And because you don't think you're complete, therefore you don't think you're holy. You don't think you're sanctified. Your Father wants you to know that you're holy today, that you're sanctified today, that you're in Him today. In Colossians 1.21, it says this, that you once were alienated enemies in your mind. By wicked words. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. He did that. He presents you holy, blameless, and above reproach. So see, he 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 took you out of the picture. How did he do that? He reconciled. He says man has been enemies of God in their mind. And that's when you don't see the real you. But in your mind you've been an enemy towards God and you think God's your enemy. And God says, and the reason you think that is because you're not holy enough. You're not, you got uh, you don't live a sin-free life and you you don't live a life above reproach and because of that you become you think God's an enemy in your mind. And what God is saying is I'm not your enemy. Matter of fact, I've reconciled you and the whole world to myself. Reconcile means you balance the books. Whatever this is, it equals this. So nobody could equal Jesus or God the Father. So he brings Jesus into the picture and he reconciles the world. In other words, it's an accounting term. He makes things equal. So everything is equal with God. What is it? How does he do that? It's Jesus. He did that through Jesus. And so when he does that, or when he did that, now you and I have to believe that I am holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. And it's not because of Mike or it's not because of Kevin. It's not because of Dwayne. It's because of Jesus. He reconciled that. There was no way I could put myself in that position. No what thing I could do to make myself get there. God had to do something to get me in there. And what he did, he says, I brought Jesus into the picture. And because I've done that now, I've reconciled you. And I have made you. I made you Holy sanctified unto me is that good news that would cause you to be free from yourself a lot of us know that we're free from the devil no biggie free from the curse no biggie the biggest thing that you and I have to conquer is being free from ourselves. and you'll never be free from yourself if you're always trying to attain to something become something be something for anybody and everybody else when God says why are you doing that Listen. Hallelujah.